Season 1, Episode 56, Pete's Podcast, Bible Story Evangelism, John Chapter 2, Verses 1 Through 25. So, we're going to take a look at uh, John Chapter 2. Let's just uh, take a look at the the quick uh, outline of Chapter 1, tell you where we've been. Uh, chapter 1, the deity of Christ, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, chapter 1, uh, verses uh, 3 through 4, uh, all things were created by Him, and without Him, Jesus Christ was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of all men. So the, the deity of Christ, the ministry of John the Baptist, which in my mind boils down to Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world as Jesus was coming down to be baptized by his first cousin, who I'm sure they knew very well, knew each other. Mary went to to uh, John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth, when she was an outcast for being pregnant and not married, and quickly went to Elizabeth, who she had heard was with child and figured out that 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 was a miracle of God as well as her conception. And so she and Elizabeth greeted her at the door and said, uh, the baby leaped inside my womb. So John John knew Jesus. I, I'm pretty sure they were good friends. And they walked the, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna say 55 miles from Nazareth to Jerusalem uh, three times a year. And uh, they were good buddies. Um, it's pretty much all on the road. You go from Nazareth to the road, straight south to Jerusalem, about 50 miles. And these people were walkers, so they could cover that ground, I would say, easily in three days. Walking on a road in the army, that was like, oh my gosh, there's no limit to how far you could walk. Over the Appalachian Mountains, things slowed down a little bit. But uh, the road, road march, like lightning. Anyway, um, so um, so that was uh, the baptism of Jesus Christ, and that's important because chapter 2 starts with the third day. And the third day, John chapter 2, verse 1, and the third day, there was a marriage in Cana, which is uh, not far at all from from... I'd say maybe five miles, I think less, from from uh, Nazareth, where Jesus was from. And this is a big wedding. And I'll explain why I would say that. But anyway, uh, the third day after his baptism was a marriage of Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. This is a big marriage. Um, and again, I'll explain why in just a minute. Um, <clears throat> let me just quickly go over the outline for chapter 2. The marriage of Cana, the first miracle, the first Passover uh, that Jesus went to at, during his ministry, uh, his public ministry, uh, when he, and the first time he cleared the temple out, he does that again at the end of his ministry, right before his crucifixion. And uh, 
Jesus uh, knows what's in man. He knows who has believed and who hasn't. Well, that's the outline of chapter 2. All right, so we're in chapter 2, um, verse 1. Uh, again, because you might be listening to this without your Bible, so I don't mind saying it over again. And the third day there was a marriage of Canaan in Cana of Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. They haven't done any miracles, so he's just among friends. It's a, a very close to Nazareth. I would say less than five miles as I think about the map in my mind here. But anyway, um, I think it's a little bit south west but I could be mistaken get a map of the Bible land and or New Testament Bible land and you can take a look at these things and when they wanted wine the mother of Jesus saith unto Jesus they have no wine basically they had run out of wine uh, verse 4 of chapter 2 Jesus saith unto her woman what have I to what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Now I used to teach middle school kids, mostly the Bible. I taught seniors and juniors math and physics and a little bit of history, US history at that level. But anyway, mostly I guess I taught junior high kids. Well, that's not true. I, it was about 50-50 between high school and junior high. But the Bible that I got to teach towards the end of my career taught mostly to junior high kids. And I would say to a room full of junior high kids, when your mom asks you to set the table tonight, why don't you just quote Jesus here? Woman, what have I to do with thee? I mean, ask that question of your mother and see what happens. And I was teaching ninth graders at the time and I thought, wow, you know, that, is that sin? Could Jesus have sinned there? So I went to uh, websites that answer questions or talk about questions about stuff like that. And I got some pretty good arguments, I thought, to, to explain to my class the next day that Jesus Christ had not sinned. Uh, first of all, woman was, a, uh, was a, a, an address of respect. Uh, what have I to do with thee? Uh, my hour has not yet come. And I guess the other most powerful argument is his mother did not take offense. If my ninth grade kids went home and said, woman, what do I have to do with thee when they, when she asked them to do something, they might have been in trouble. But Jesus was not in trouble. Uh, verse 5, Jesus' mother said to the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Verse 6, and there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins of water apiece. A firkin is approximately 11 gallons. It's an old British unit. It's a fifth of a barrel, something like that, um, of, of wine usually. Wine was measured in firkins, uh, at least when this was written um, or translated into English. Uh, 1611, I think. Anyway, uh, it's been revised many times since then. But um, it is the majority text, just if you're interested. Um, the, the one that the most of the 
um, manuscripts that we have uh, are made up the Greek uh, majority text. And I would assume that's true of the Hebrew text of the Old Testament as well. Uh, possibly it just refers to the New Testament. A little weak on that. Anyway, uh, but uh, six water pots of stone uh, containing two to three firkins. A firkins has 11, 11 gallons. So let's say they were the lower end of this. Uh, uh, two firkins, which would be 22 gallons times six is 132 gallons. Okay, and if it was three firkins, it would be more. But the order of magnitude there is between 100 and 200 U.S. gallons of a little less than imperial gallons of of water. These were water pots. They were not wine pots. But they were for the uh, washing, the ceremonial washing that the Jews took so much pride in. And Jesus got in trouble when his disciples ate corn without washed hands and and the whole argument about that. Um, and you tell, you know, anyway, you don't honor your parents. You you tell them whatever I have to to give to you, I'm going to give to the temple, and I don't, I don't have to give you anything. Um, that you have to look up that argument that Jesus had with the Pharisees about uh, washing of, of hands. But there was ceremonial washing, and, you know, I would say if it's dirty, wash it, you know, but it's, uh, anyway, uh, Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. So the ceremonial washing before the party had already taken. And it took <clears throat> over 100 gallons to wash everyone's feet, excuse me, and everyone's uh, hands the ceremonially. And they filled them to the brim. So we're talking about approximately somewhere in the range of 150 gallons of water. And Jesus said unto the servants, Draw out and bear unto the governor of the feast, the master of ceremonies, the, the best man, whatever, the guy that's running the show, the DJ in our terminology, uh, the guy in charge. And the servants carried it. Now, if we're talking uh, 20, approximately 20 gallons, that would be 140 pounds. Each a gallon weighs 7 U.S. pounds. And um, so they would have a yoke to carry this because it's a stone pot, so it's got to be pretty heavy too. And then it's got, so I'm sure they had some kind of a yoke that they could carry these water pots around with. And uh, at any rate, uh, uh, maybe, well, they had to fill them, so they could have done that with uh, smaller buckets. But anyway, never mind. Uh, welcome to my world. John uh, chapter 2, verse 8. And he saith unto them, Now draw out and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they carried the wine to the governor of the feast. Verse 9. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that they that was made, wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom. So it was good that Mary had told him, told the servants to do whatever he says because it didn't make a lot of sense. The governor of the feast, you know, it could have been a practical joke just to give him water. 
but something happened to the water. They carried it to the governor of the feast, and the governor of the feast called the bridegroom. Verse 10, and the governor of the feast said to the bridegroom, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. So they had gone through all the wine they had. Now they've got 150 gallons of really good wine, uh, whatever. And uh, John chapter 2, verse 11. Uh, the beginning of the miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested Cana's very close to uh, Nazareth. I think that's why he was invited. He knew these people. His mother knew these people. And manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. So they're starting to believe on him. We know that Judas never believed. Uh, not because he betrayed him, but because by the, Jesus, it's, the scripture says that Jesus knew who didn't believe. Thomas didn't believe until the very end. I don't know how these guys are slowly figuring out who this is. Uh, verse 12. After this, he went down to Capernaum. He and his mother and his brethren and his disciples, and they continued there not many days. Okay, Capernaum, if I'm not mistaken, is a town on the Sea of Galilee. So they went downhill. They went down, not south, but in fact north, northeast uh, to Capernaum, which was on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Jesus, his mother, his brethren, and his disciples. So these would be his half-brothers, for lack of a better word, since uh, only Mary was his biological parent. Um, and just to go back and touch on this wine stuff, uh, you know, I would assume that it had uh, fermented to some degree. Uh, one argument for that is that fermented wine, uh, when the quality of water might be questionable, and I don't think it was in the time of Jesus, I think they were pretty sophisticated, but, but uh, maybe during the Dark Ages or something, uh, they might have drank wine because that was, I think there's some evidence that the, the people that worked in the winery didn't get the certain diseases because they didn't, cholera and waterborne diseases because they drank the wine and the alcohol killed the, the disease. But at any rate, um, I just reading what I've read over my lifetime on this, I would say that you know it probably had some alcohol in it. I, I don't know if some people they they must have really liked their grape juice if the governor of the feast was so impressed uh, with that. Now some people have uh, addictions and problems and and uh, they can't tolerate a sip, and that's true of any addiction that people have. We should avoid it to the to the nth degree. But at any rate, and you know what? If somebody has a problem that if somebody's weak in a certain area, then that should affect our decisions. Why well, should I'm going to do what I want to do? I'm not going to limit myself. Read what Paul wrote about that, that you don't want to cause your brother to stumble. So if you know somebody that's got a problem in a certain area, whatever the case may be, then you just limit your conduct at least while you're around them 
and maybe beyond that, depending on how much they mean to you, especially if it's a, an addiction to something like alcohol or, or anything for that matter. There's a lot of addictions out there. Um, I, heard, I heard that the people that deal with addictions say there's 300 addictions out there that are not good for you. So, at any rate, um, so now we're, uh, we were at the third day from his, uh, from his uh, baptism, and now we're uh, leaving Capernaum and going the 60 miles down to, or maybe more, Capernaum, if, it's, if it is on the Sea of Galilee, which I think it is, uh, that would be uh, probably 80 miles down to Jerusalem. Okay, uh, chap chapter 2, verse uh, 13 again. And the Jews, Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, again, they went down to Capernaum, north to Capernaum, and they went up to Jerusalem. And i just like to point this out, that the Jerusalem is kind of on the top of the... you got the Jordan Valley. Obviously, the Jordan River goes down through the low part of the valley. And Jerusalem is up on the west mountains of the Jordan River. And then you got the Dead Sea, which is really low. Really, you always go down to the Dead Sea from 360 degrees around the Dead Sea because it, it has no way for the water to escape. It's dead because it has no outlet. And I'm very thankful for this podcast outlet. Um, it's nice to to be able to to reach out to people like this. Okay, verse 14, and found the temple and found in the temple of Jerusalem those that sold oxen. That's like a, a cell yard. I mean, uh, I've been in cell yards in, in Valentine, Nebraska, and, and it's, uh, it's not that nice of a place. I mean, they can clean it up, but still. Uh, the sheep and doves, and then the changers of money. Now, I don't know how much of a world traveler you are, but but I was always told before I traveled uh, overseas to to change my money before I left, or at least go to a bank and not just meet somebody on the street and get whatever. Because uh, anyway, I was when I went over to Return of Forces to Germany in '82. Uh, I didn't do a lot of sightseeing but but if I was in a town somewhere and I wanted to buy some bread or something I would just put my change on the on the because they have a lot of you know, a lot of dollars are in change they like that because the paper money wears out quicker so they have a lot of coin money but anyway I'd put the coins on the table and and hope you know I kind of had an idea what they were worth but the six pence and all that kind of stuff I didn't really know and they would they would take out the Hopefully the appropriate amount, but I, I wasn't a very sophisticated. I was wearing fatigues. I was not on vacation. I was in the army, and uh, so, but we were did go into towns and things like that. All right. So um, verse fifteen. And when he made a scourge of small cords, that would be like a, a small whip, for lack of a better word. Uh, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers money and overthrew the tables. 
And Jesus said to them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered, verse 17, and his disciples remembered that it was written in the Old Testament, speaking of the Messiah, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. So Jesus was uh, very animated and zealous for the Lord's house that uh, other gospel writers wrote this incident and said that it was uh, that it was to be a house of prayer. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing thou doest these things? And by what what authority? By what you know? Give us something to go on here. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. Now, we know that when the Pharisees went to Pilate and asked for the body of Christ, or or at least, in, and it had already been given to Joseph of Arimathea, they said, set a guard on it. Set a Roman guard. This was during the Pax Romana. Nobody challenged the Romans, the Roman peace. Put a Roman guard on the tomb because he said that he would raise rise from the dead in three days. They were talking about this prophecy which they which was used at his trial, you know, to say that he was uh uh crazy. Anyway, uh destroy this temple and we will raise it up in th- and I will raise it up in three days. Then said the Jews to Jesus, forty and six years was this temple in building. And wilt thou rear it up in three days? This would be the, the Nehemiah temple, if I know my temples. The Solomon's temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. It was rebuilt by uh, Nehemiah. And then, and then that was about 400 years before Christ. And wilt thou raise it up in three days? And John tells us right here in John chapter 2, verse 21. Jesus spake of the temple of his body. When, verse 22, the last verse here, when therefore Jesus was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had said, that he would rise from the dead in three days. Oh, we're not done. I'm sorry. We've got a couple more verses left. We've got three more verses left. Now, when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed in his name, and they saw the miracles which he did. And we can believe in him for the miracles he's done. We can believe in him from the Word of God, which is pretty much where I went. And... uh Again, believe in Jesus, believe in his name, believe on him. Um, When I jumped out of airplanes, I I believed in parachutes, even though I had never seen the one that I was going to use. At any rate, saw the miracles that he did. And Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. And I think this is, personally, I believe that this is talking about he knows who has believed and who has not. Who are people of goodwill, 
towards him and people who are not in goodwill towards him. And needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. So he knew which of his disciples would betray him. He knew uh, which ones believed and which ones didn't. He knew uh, Nathaniel. He saw Nathaniel before uh, Philip told him, before Philip met him under the tree. Uh, and Nathaniel said my pretty much what Thomas said, you are, you are the Son of God. Anyway, I hope you believe. Um, and uh, again, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. And Hebrews 6.1 says you need to repent of your dead works, fundamental to the doctrine of Christ, repentance from dead works, turning from dead works towards faith in God, in the God that sent Jesus, his son, to die on the cross to pay for his sins. And if you don't have the, trig uh, the Trinity figured out, uh, join the club. But I'm a body, soul, and spirit, and one day I will leave this body either uh, through death, my spirit will leave my body, and or the rapture, and in which case I will not see death, and I will go up and my body will be changed, and I'll get my spiritual body, which it is. The Bible talks about. And uh, so uh, I'm going to say adios to God. Have a great day or night. And I'm going to say via condios, which is go with God. <laughs>